BBOR, Black Box Online Radio, coming to you from West Virginia, BlackBoxNid88 on Instagram for the bonus podcast. It's time to fall asleep and to surround yourself with some positive vibes while your eyes are closed. The first one is kindness. When I do this channel, I often find that connecting with you guys in the comments section is one of the best ways to learn new things, because there are too many facts out there, that's why we have to talk to each other, and I found that there are certain pillars in my life that I often think about, or words of wisdom, or maybe even important values that I hold near and dear. But when I talk to other people about them, they allow me to gain new insights or to think about things in a different way. And one of them is the view on kindness. At the end of that bonus podcast on Instagram that I do, I sign off by saying fairness and empathy. But I used to say kindness and fairness. And I was talking to somebody about this once in a rather confrontational way, and I said that kindness and fairness are very important, and the response that I got was that not everyone deserves kindness and fairness, and I was so unbelievably surprised that someone would say that. Not everyone deserves kindness and fairness. To begin, I don't think that we can live in a world where fairness isn't going to be important in our relationships, or in our decision-making, or even in larger thinking, such as how do leaders make their choices? How is a leader going to lead and try and do things that are going to benefit the people if they are done in ways of unfairness? But I began to think about that statement a little bit more, and part of me wanted to initially respond by saying, kindness and fairness are for you, it's so you hold on to your integrity. But the problem with killing people with kindness is that it often leads to a lot of misunderstandings, or many people interpret that in a way that allows them to manipulate the situation they take advantage of the kind. And I also found that the term kindness and fairness was simply unattractive and unappealing to many people, so I changed it to fairness and empathy. Fairness meaning that we need to hold ourselves to a level of integrity, have standards, and stand by them, stand by the principles. It becomes the foundation for what is known as virtue, a high regard for morality or ethics, depending on the situation. And then empathy, recognizing how actions affect other people. So I can definitely learn that sometimes the statements that I use to support myself in life, or sometimes the statements that people can um, use as a proverb or some type of important saying, can be improved upon, because no human being is perfect. Another example of this type of situation is when I was talking to somebody 
about a line that I had heard on the show Free Domain Radio, where the host said that if someone is yelling at you, they don't care about you, because they will not do that when there are consequences. And of course the host is talking about consequences in a specific way, but that's the way that I remembered it. If someone is yelling at you, they don't care about you, because they will not do that when there are consequences. And I said that to someone, and they replied by saying, there are always consequences. And I was forced to admit that that person was right. If you're yelling at someone, and even if they don't bat an eyelash, there are still going to be consequences for your actions. So then I had to alter the statement once again to the way of saying that they don't care about you if there are consequences that are important to them. And I believe that, to provide some context, the discussion that came up with that line, if someone is yelling at you, they don't care about you, they will not do that if there are consequences, was talking about exposure. They would not do that if people whom they didn't want to know found out about it. And that type of exposure would be a negative consequence on their, on their life, their reputation, everything about them. The point is, we need to talk to each other to learn facts. We need to talk to each other to learn understanding. And it doesn't only have to be done through argumentation and debate. It can be done through general inquiry, inquest, the desire for discovery. But there's a certain sense of value in that statement, that if someone is yelling at you, they don't care about you. I think another way to improve upon that would be, if someone is mean to you, they don't care about you, because they will not do that if there are consequences that they care about. But also because mean behavior is not appropriate. I was listening to the show Coffee with Chris once, and the host simply said, If you're mean, I don't want to be around you, and I don't want you around me. Don't ever come to me with your idea or say that you know something. If I have a plan that will work and that is working, and you start telling me what you think, that means that you don't care about success. You don't care about solutions. You're just trying to fuel your own ego. And also, if you come to me and you say that you've had this wonderful revelation, you now believe in this type of God and these types of angels, and this is going to happen to you when you die, I will not tell you that you're wrong. If you come to me with that, I will not tell you anything other than I support you. But if you ever ask me, by the way, what do you think about it? Then I will tell you. Then I will give you a response. And when I was sharing that type of thinking with somebody once, the response was, I wish people wouldn't do that because it limits discourse. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that that limits discourse. Instead, I think that it's more about acknowledging someone's right to individuality first. You can have discourse, you can have the debate, you can have the discussion, but first acknowledge someone's humanity 
recognize them as an individual human being. And that comes to, from kindness and fairness. That comes from fairness and empathy. On the difference between fairness and empathy and kindness and fairness, I'm reminded of a passage in a book, The Mindful Nation by Tim Ryan, which talks a lot about social and emotional learning and even introducing mindfulness and mental awareness education classes in our school system. And there's a sentence in that book that says, I didn't want to create this book as a do-gooder, tree-hugger type book. And I was so surprised when I was reading that because I was thinking that doing good, caring about trees, what is wrong with that? And more importantly, why would you not want to present your book in that way? But it's the exact same situation that I dealt with when I was talking about kindness and fairness. It doesn't convey the message to the public in a way in which they can understand. And instead, a mindful nation is meant to be more about policies, but also to recognize genuine flaws in our educational system. Have you ever had an experience where you felt that someone was being mean to you in an unjust way, and that affected the way that you felt all day? There once was a meme on Facebook that said, did you actually have a bad day, or did you have one second, one moment of a bad day when someone said something to you that made you feel bad for hours? Just that little one second moment of unfairness, lacking kindness, brings you down for the entirety of the day. And some people believe that emotional experiences, emotional trauma, can have the same effects on the brain as physical trauma. Therefore, typically mean and unfair behavior is not extremely welcome in the 21st century. It is bad and it should not happen. To continue with something that Chris shared on his show, he said that one way to alleviate this type of unkind behavior is view life as a profile because we're so caught up in the world of social media, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and so on. View life like a profile. Post what you want. Share what you want. But once you go over to someone else's page, just to tell them that they were wrong, that that is when you are doing something bad. I became a regular listener to the program The Rational Mail, which is hosted by Rolo Tomasi. And he talked about how when boys are being rough and mean to each other, it's not always coming from a bad place. That's just how boys are. The very famous boys will be boys experience. And you can convey this type of thinking into adulthood, manhood. That's just how men are. But I wholeheartedly disagree with this. For what was previously stated about the way that people act when there are consequences for their actions that they care about, as well as how emotional trauma can affect the brain, if someone is being mean, usually it comes from a place of abuse or neglect. Someone was mean to them and then they learned these types of experiences and now they're projecting their experiences onto other people because they want to dominate. There's a famous saying that there are three reasons why people commit crimes, money, sex, and power. Which one of them is the most important? I would absolutely propose that power is what people truly desire. 
Sometimes money and sex are involved with this, but people desire power, and it extends much beyond the true crime world. This type of thinking gets carried on into our day-to-day -day interactions, and I learned a lot about this from Jordan Peterson because he was so passionate about dominance hierarchies. He even suggested changing the name from dominance hierarchy to competence hierarchy, and I think that dominance hierarchy is more appropriate because it shows that somebody is going to truly want to stay in a place of power, and it's about domination, not how competent you are. If you have a group of people, not all people in that group will have the right to the same privileges, the same topics of discussion. One person will make a comment and it will be accepted, another person will make another similar comment, and it will not be accepted. And once we enter into a world of social media, where we aren't limited to the people in our own geographic circle, we can see that many people have noticed that these types of behaviors are very prevalent and very much present in their own lives, and they begin to question it. Why is something acceptable for person A, but it is not acceptable for person B? And the honest answer is just that, that a group sorts itself out into a dominance hierarchy. If you have a group of five people, one person will be the leader, one person will have more talking time. Usually there will be a person who gets very close to the leader, who is going to act like a second-in-command, a right-hand man, someone who is going to treat the leader like a king or a queen, and the people below them in this arranged hierarchy of behavior are going to be treated like peasants, or people who do not have the same rights or access to topics of discussion, types of humor, behaviors, making choices. They'll see somebody go walk up to someone and say, hi, how you doing? What are you doing tonight? And then person C and D walk up and say someone, hi, how are you doing? What are you doing tonight? And they're going to say, stop. You should not do that. That's just bad. But is it really bad? It's acceptable for person A, but not for person C and D. The person who is the second in command will often be the most manipulative because they're going to use their abilities to control the people below them, whereas the leader of the group mostly is disassociated from that type of thinking because they're already, they already are the leader of the group. They already are the most dominant. And the person B, the second in command, realizes that they're never going to be the most dominant member of the social group. They aren't going to be the leader of the pack, so they use their intelligence to try and tip the scales in a different way, tipping the scales in a way that people hadn't previously thought of, and then that is how they will gain control of the situation. It's hard to believe that I learned about it from Paul Watkins, nonetheless, but he said that the slowest person in the group can often be the leader, because they're making other people wait for them. The person who shows up 40 minutes late, the person who's always taking the longest to get ready before you can go, they are making other people respond to their actions, and they are making other people do things, or in this case, not do things, because of their presence. The slowest person in the group can be the most manipulative. 
This type of thinking is not a perfect science, and people aren't always aware of how their actions are affecting other people. But in, in that respect, that's what makes it unkind. That's what makes it unfair. That people are doing certain types of behaviors, and they are expecting that they're going to be accepted by other people. But there's an interesting line about expectations that comes from John Sonmez that says, The reason why you have friends is because of expectation. Expectations hold friendships together, with, even if it is as simple as you want your friend to be kind, you expect your friend to be a good listener, you expect your friend to be empathetic. Those types of expectations are what people use to build friendships. For example, if someone is unkind, or they are not being empathetic, or they are not being a good listener, then that takes its toll on the friendship. And if those types of behaviors are continuing, the expectation is challenged, and eventually it will fade away. And that is when the friendship ends. You have friendships because of expectations. John Sonmez has also shared a lot on the differences between being nice and being kind. And this relates to the entire concept of kindness and fairness, as well as fairness and empathy. Being nice is harmlessness. And if you are harmless, that is not something to be proud of. It is simply a personality trait that was inherited from your parents, or conditioned by your parents, rather, from the ages of zero to four. Someone who is nice never learned how to fight back. Whether someone is kind has the ability to be strong and is actively choosing to be kind. Someone who is nice is doing things in a way because they believe that it is expected of them, and if they do not behave in that way, problems will come their way. Someone who is being kind is doing things because they believe they are good. The therapist-turned-YouTuber Daniel Mackler often talks about this and refers to it as the unhealthy form of love. I experienced the unhealthy form of love many times. Back in 2013 or 14, I used to do things for my friends that I thought were nice. I would make homemade cards for Thanksgiving, birthdays, holidays. I don't know why I said Thanksgiving first when there are other holidays that deserve cards much more so than that. Christmas, for example. But I would make these homemade cards for my friends and I would share them. They were purely electronic because it was the social media era. And then I would feel very disappointed when they wouldn't send one back or do anything in return. This is an example of the unhealthy love. Daniel Mackler says very clearly that unhealthy love is when you are doing those types of behaviors because you want something in return. And it doesn't simply have to be you're giving a gift because you want a gift given back to you. It can be someone is behaving toward a person in a certain way because they want a relationship from them. They only want that relationship status, and they don't care if it's with this person or that person, any person that meets their standard of attractiveness. The only reason why they're doing quote-unquote nice behavior toward that person is because they want to lure them into their circle. Another example would be that if you are going to be presenting yourself in a certain way, attitudes, behaviors, making plans with somebody, 
Is it because you actually want to do the things? Is it because you actually want to go on vacation with somebody? Or are you offering this as a resource to try and attract them into a relationship? This is called the unhealthy love. When the objective gets distorted and the person is trying to focus on manipulation rather than fairness and empathy, that's what makes it unkind. It is important to differentiate between being nice and being kind, because in the rational male, there's a very big discussion on how children are raised in a certain way when they are told to be in touch with their feelings, they are told to be very orderly, very neat, and very quote-unquote nice to other people. Treat other people how you want to be treated, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But when conflicts arise, then it becomes very difficult to stand by those principles, and if people are only going to be using harmless tactics to solve conflicts, then they often end up growing up to being someone nice, instead of someone who is kind. Being nice and being kind are not differentiated in the majority of classrooms, and if somebody is being educated, raised, told their entire life that you need to be nice to people, when they get to adulthood they find out that nobody wants to be their friend, sexual partners are not attracted to them, no one wants to be in a relationship to them, they get passed over for promotions, and people don't show credit and appreciation for their work. And this can all be a factor in life about being nice versus being kind. But much like life, it is not the only factor. An important reason for this is something that Sanmez shares as well. Nobody likes a nice guy. Men will think you are weak, and women will find you boring. I think that that does not require too much of an explanation. Another important aspect of being nice versus being kind is the ability to change and how to interact with people. For example, the person who is nice is often going to refuse to change because, as Dr. Robert Glover lays out in his book No More Mr. Nice Guy, the nice person is going to think, I'm not shouting at anyone, I'm not yelling at anyone, I'm not being conventionally mean to anyone, therefore there is nothing wrong with what I'm doing. But this does not take into account how someone's arrogant and holier-than-thou behavior can take its toll on a relationship or a friendship, or if someone is going to try and find fault in other people's actions, but not self-evaluate and try and recognize their areas for improvement, people will also find it very difficult to spend time with them. Being nice and being kind are very important. On the channel Oak Leaves and Onions, the host was talking about how this can even enter into a form of toxicity when someone is behaving in a certain way about trying to lure a partner into their world using typically nice behaviors. It can be toxic because they're pretending to have conversations that they find interesting. They're pretending to show interest in the other person's conversations. They're asking all of these questions about this person's life. They're trying to get to know this person's emotional side. But the only reason they want to do that is either 
to have the status of a relationship or to have the type of sexual availability that they desire at any given moment, and it is a form of deception, and that is why I believe she referred to it as something toxic, because they're putting on a facade of being someone who cares about of the other person, but in reality, they're just using it as a deception mechanism to try and attract that person for their own selfishness, or their own self-serving desires rather than selfishness. In conclusion, it would appear, to me at least, that the difference between being nice and being kind is that being nice lacks virtue. It lacks the high regard for morality, whereas being kind holds on to it and shows that this person is coming from a place of principle. It's very important to identify the places of principle in life because you can first illustrate this concept by looking at a basketball player. Imagine someone training for basketball every day, someone who's even in the NBA, someone who can shoot a half-court shot and make it every single time, ten times in a row, and then somebody just gets up there, isn't even paying attention, picks up a ball, tosses it over his shoulder, and it goes into the hoop. Did that person just get lucky? Absolutely. And that person's going to think that he's on par with an NBA player because he just tossed the ball. That is not the same at all. One person has been training, paying attention, trying to improve themselves, and putting in a whole lot of hard work to become a professional basketball player, and another person just got lucky. This can be put into more real-life terms by looking at how Sometimes people do things like cutting a person out of their life, and they say that this relationship is over. Is this done for a reason of ending uh, an abusive or toxic relationship? When someone is finally standing up to the person who has done mean things to them, they let it slide in the past, now they are finally saying enough is enough? That person is ending the relationship because they have a newly discovered principle, a newly created pillar of security in their life. Whereas someone doing it in an unprincipled way is going to say, I'm leaving you because I want to have sex with someone else. That is done in an unprincipled way. The reasons why we make our choices are very important. And we can even find that they're is a very interpretive element into how people are making their decisions. Life is not black and white. We live in a world of color and shades, nuance as they say. Another aspect in how to live life as a kind person that is almost never talked about is what is called framing the conversation. I really feel this is neglected in our educational system when people are going to point out that someone will repetitively do mean things to someone, and why does the other person accept it? Why doesn't the person say, stop doing that, you're doing something mean, or why does someone remain in the friendship or the relationship or the work environment with someone who is obviously doing mean things to them? The answer can be found in what is known as holding a frame or creating a frame, 
conditioning someone to accept the person's abuse, and many times toxic personalities, people with narcissistic tendencies, or just flat-out unfriendly behavior will not immediately share those types of destructive tendencies and behaviors. They will come across as very charming at first, and then once they realize that they have a certain stable friendship or relationship or workplace environment, then they will release those destructive tendencies onto other people, and they will very slowly condition the other person to accept their abuse. This is creating a bad frame. And this will happen in conversations where someone will start giving subtle put-downs. This will happen in one-on-one -on -one dynamics when someone will regularly start to act like they are the person who needs to be served and the other person is the servant. It is very important to try and be aware as to whether or not someone is framing a conversation or a relationship and trying to do it in a destructive way. The world is not kind. The world is not fair. But we need to try and make the world a kinder and fair place. Because there's a certain sense of morality in that. In living in a world that does not have these types of emotional traumas. In living in a world where this type of nastiness and desire for power is not greater than the desire for morality and ethics and virtue. And it is possible. And it is possible. And it all starts with fairness and empathy, recognizing how someone's actions affect other people, and realizing that we do not want to do those things because they are physically and emotionally harmful to someone else. And also that we most likely would not do those types of behaviors if there were consequences that we cared about. Another ground point that we have mentioned is that people have the right to be different. We can acknowledge their individuality, and we can also acknowledge the fairness that comes with that. When people want to share ideas, we can share them too. When people want to know what someone has to say, then they can say it. Do not stay within anyone's frame. Share things in a fair and honest way, but also recognize the other person's humanity and how words can affect them in the long run. Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you are asleep now. Good night.